Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on everybody? We are back, it's your boy Oakry. Um been trying to get you guys a podcast, talk about rounds four through seven of the Detroit Lions uh draft over the weekend here. Uh just been life's been crazy. Um I'm here kinda late on a Monday, just trying to knock out a, a podcast for you. We'll see how long this goes. Just want to talk through some of the picks, um, talk about uh not only what I thought at the time, but kind of what I've thought since I've sort of Watched a little bit more from some of these guys, read up on them, saw the reaction from fans and uh, quote-unquote experts and all that good stuff. So uh, what I'm going to do uh, for this show is I'm going to kind of talk through each pick, just uh, the player, some things that I uh, know about them, uh, height, weight, all that type of stuff, and uh, kind of ma- maybe how they'd fit the current Lions team. And then uh, towards the back half, I'm also going to give you some pretty cool stuff. Uh, me and the Big Hughes a few years ago. Um, we started really tracking our draft picks. Like you, we know who's on the clock. We watch the draft religiously. So um, instead of just kind of remembering who we liked or who we would have taken with each pick, we started writing it down. So any of you that have checked out the uh, Detroit Kool-Aid Cast Google Sheet that I've kind of put out on Twitter, you can see there's all types of tabs there that say, you know, who was our on the clock picks versus who the Lions took. We also have a couple tabs where. I think it was three years ago, me and uh, the Big Hughes, we started a dynasty where we were just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could have a blank slate and every year when the draft comes around, we'll take picks with the Lions picks um, and kind of make our own dynasty team from scratch. So basically taking the best player on the board that we feel um, to build a team and uh, using kind of like the real contract money so we sort of have you know, who's slotted where money-wise, and then building our team out, you know, based on if we want to take offensive linemen, maybe we want to work from, you know, get some nasty middle linebackers, skill players, whatever it may be. So we actually have three years of those picks uh, now, and it's really interesting to look back and kind of see, you know, who we took, why we took them, all that type of stuff. So I'm going to give you guys kind of overview of that. If you want to dig into it more, you can definitely go to the Google Sheet or hit me up on Twitter and uh, and get you that link again so you can check it out. So uh, before I dive into everything, let's take a quick pause for our sponsor. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we're back. Uh, let's talk about rounds four through seven. I mean, me and Hughes, we did rounds two and three. You know, Grifka uh, got in for round one. And I don't know if he's still sleeping or, uh, you know, uh, what he's doing. But I'm sitting here working, trying to get you guys Lions content. So, um, you know, rounds two through three, I thought that was going to be like the real sweet spot, the real time where the Lions hit some home runs and got some real blue chip playmakers. 
you know, they definitely took some names that were a little bit off the board, names that weren't, you know, on the top of our radar as fans, but, I mean, as frustrating as that can be sometimes, I think me and Hughes laid it out that, uh, you know, we're not in these meetings, we think we know the scheme, we really don't, we think we kind of know what NFL teams look for, I'm sure it's a lot different than we think, so, you know, we're hoping those players pan out, so, once that second day was over, you're coming into uh, day three, which is rounds four through seven. And uh, man, these are these are really important rounds. You know, at times these are rounds where, you know, the common fan might think, you know, oh, I don't know anybody in these rounds, or you know, they're not going to find anybody. You know, they always talk about the NFL hit rate being like what, you know, a good GM gets forty percent of his picks right or something like that. I mean, know those numbers are out there, but you know, there's plenty of success stories across the board of you know, late round picks that end up uh, tearing up <clears throat> Tom Brady and, uh, you know, so, so many more. I mean, I think I saw a stat recently that over 20% or more of the league is completely undrafted players. Um, so, like you say, all these draft picks are important. Um, you can always find talent. And I think the Lions did that in day three. I really think, you know, we like some of these names. We knew some of these names better. But I think when you really get down to it, it's all about how they fit the current Lions team, what Matt Pat and Bobby Quinn are looking for. So let's start in the fourth round with uh, with pick 111 there. The Lions uh, went, went ahead and grabbed Austin Bryant. Defensive end, 6'5", 265 pounds from Clemson. Now, when they read off this name, it kind of caught me by surprise for a couple reasons. One... Anybody that's been tracking like my mock drafts throughout the lead up to the draft process, I mean, this was a guy I was taking in lots and lots and lots of mock drafts, you know, uh, via the draft network, via a couple other sites. You know, he was always kind of available in those later rounds. And I just looked at his size. I mean, 6'5", 265 with some athleticism from a good program just kind of looked almost like a uh, bodybuild slash makeup of kind of like what they got into Sean Hand, which was kind of an under-the-radar athlete that, you know, could come off the edge, can probably move around on the defensive line, but uh, really liked what I saw from this guy. I kind of watched a little bit of uh, a film and highlights on him and liked what I saw, so, you know, you, you can't you can't go against the pedigree, definitely, of this pick. So, he's a senior. I mean, I was really, uh, I was really excited, you know, when I saw this, 22 years old. I think that he can really add some things. And if you go back and you pull up, you know, some of his some of his highlights, not only does he have athleticism and he's getting after the quarterback and get people on the ground, but this guy's got some swag to him, man. Some of the after-the-play stuff, I mean, I think he can bring some juice to the team and be a really nice rotational piece. You know, I'm not saying this guy's going to start on the edge. I'm not saying he's going to have 10 sacks. But I think it's a, it's a big body. It's a heavy guy that can set the edge, and it's a guy that... Um, can get after people both uh, running a little bit sideline to sideline but also getting up the field when called upon so I think adding him to Aquara you know flowers the other ends they have as well as you know being able to sort of shift him around and like I said he's come from a good defensive line people say well oh he's probably only decent because he had all those other guys getting blocked well or he's the worst guy on the Clemson defensive line well He's coming into a defensive line that's loaded. He's coming into a line that works well together. I think he's going to fit in really nicely, and I really like that pick in the fourth round. Again, you would say, man, I wish I could have got him in the fifth or in the sixth like you were getting in mock drafts, but 
I think Bobby Quinn's, you know, approach was if he liked a guy and if a guy was there, rather than risk it, try to wait another round or, or so, he went ahead and got his guy. We'll let's see if it pans out, see if he's right or not. This next pick in the fifth round at uh, number 146, um, Bobby Quinn was able to get a guy a lot of us know, both that are following the draft closely and that are just uh, common fans, common line fans out there. Uh, everybody kind of knew this name, you know, in a lot of lead up and mock drafts and experts said this guy in the upper second round. I mean, I'm talking the first five or ten picks in the second round or, you know, slip into late or maybe early third kind of at the worst. But he ends up going in round five, which was really shocking. But Armani or Warrior, Armani O, 2-1. We're in the 2-1 in college. I mean, this guy, I had watched uh, kind of some extensive stuff on him. And, uh, man, he just always seemed like he was in press coverage. He'd come up and make a tackle. There's uh, quite a few plays where the, the opposing quarterbacks hangs a ball up there and Armani's in his back pocket or in perfect position. A lot of the times I was watching, he was coming down with the football. Again, a lot of swag after he makes the catch. I even saw a couple uh, Darius Slay finger wags from Armani. So um, there might not be an R in there. It might be Armani. Uh, I might be saying that wrong. But uh, it's easier to say than the last name. But uh, I think this guy from Penn State is going to fit in nicely. You know, I'm kind of trying to figure out what his ceiling is. Everyone's like, hey, maybe that'll be our guy opposite of Slay. I mean, I think between him and Melvin, Justin Coleman in the slot, um, you got Agnew still there kind of trying to figure out, you know, is he going to help us a little bit on defense here or there? Are they going to use him more as a gadget guy offensively? You know, that'll be TBD, kind of wait and see, to be determined type of thing. But uh, I think Armani O um, can be a, a really solid football player. I mean, a, a corner that's got length, that's not afraid to press, not afraid to tackle. And can make plays on the football. I mean, you got to love that across the board. So everybody was pretty jacked up about that. And then the people that didn't like, you know, the picks in the second or third round are sitting there going, hey, if you get Armani in the second or third and then you get the linebacker out of Hawaii, uh, Jelani Tavai uh, in the fourth or fifth, you know, we'd be happy. So you can kind of flip those in your mind if you want to. But like I say, you got to trust uh, the front office there. And I think it's fine how they did it. Again, really surprised. Amani was uh, there when he was, but uh, really glad the Lions snagged him, not only for position value, but also just, uh, you know, came from a decent program, good good measurables. I think he's, um, you know, he's six, a little over six foot, six one, six two, whoever you believe, a little over 200 pounds. So that's, uh, that's good size, no doubt about it. Should be able to hold up well at the corner position and be able to be physical. And then you've got... Uh, Got him as a redshirt senior, so I have him here as 23 years old. I'm not sure if he'll be 23 throughout the year, if he's heading into 24. I mean, that's a bit older than you see, normally 21, uh, just turning 22 for some of these college prospects. And people might think, oh, what does it matter, you know? Um, I think football career is so short that any years you can get, you know, under that, that threshold helps because these guys get a couple years under their belt before they get into their mid-20s, and then you can have uh, have them up up and running longer. So that is something I always sort of pay attention to. But uh, really happy to have this guy on the team. You know, everybody really seemed to like this pick across the board. And uh, I think, you know, he can come in here, 
help the Lions, you know, pretty much from the get-go, just depending if he'll be a depth guy and have to work his way up, or if he can win this type of battle, you know, out of training camp and, and be that opposite corner. And like you say, rookie corners, it's not easy out there. You know, you're on an island. He seems to have the speed and ability to keep up. Um, you know, not top, top end speed, but definitely didn't seem to be getting blown by from the things I had seen. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he can hold up and hopefully Slay will kind of take him under his wing and there won't be a huge learning curve, but we all know you just can never tell with corners. But uh, like I say, I like this guy a lot. We'll keep this thing moving. Um, so let's see here. So in the sixth round, you know, Bobby Quinn had traded down and he had given away, I want to say, a sixth rounder earlier to go up and get Will Harris, who um, I have more on uh, Jelani, Will Harris, Hawkinson, kind of the whole draft overview on our Wednesday or Friday shows, <clears throat> assuming Griffco will be awake by then and get back in here, but, uh, you know, really want to kind of revisit some of those guys and some of the things I see now, but I just stick to the fourth and seventh, so we gave up a sixth, I think, to go get Will Harris, and we were able to get that back in a trade down. So Bobby Quinn actually went, I, think, I want to say, from 204 that he gave up. He was able to get 186 here. Um, so 184 and 186 right back-to-back in the sixth round. Um, at 184 in the sixth, he took Travis Fulgham. hope I'm saying that right. Uh, this was a kid, again, a little bit off my radar. I'd seen him sort of at the combine. I know Hughes, I think, had liked this guy a little bit, what he saw from him. You know, I had him you know, as kind of a later receiver, but man, once they took this guy and I dug into him a little bit more, I mean, go check his highlights, go check uh, some of the things this guy does, he's got that Kenny Galladay-ish frame, you know, he's he's big, he's long, he's kind of um, smooth when he runs, it makes big contested catches, catch and run on a few of them, and like I say, he likes to yak too, and he gets up in your face and kind of has some of that you know, dog mentality that we need, and uh, but he is from Old Dominion. I mean, I, th- I want to say he's the first player ever drafted from Old Dominion. So, you know, there's something to be said um, about that, that he's coming from a program where no one's ever been picked to the NFL, let alone really, you know, done anything at a high level. I think there was one other guy that either got picked, and I think we even picked up his boy, uh, his receiver combo, as an undrafted free agent. So, um I like I like what I see from this guy, man. I even watched a couple of interviews with him. He seemed to really have a great head on his shoulders, willing to play special teams, you know, not afraid to go up against some of the best and, and feel like he's he's got a lot to offer too. So I mean if his tape holds up and he can translate that to the next level, I thought I thought this is a great looking prospect. My only thing is too, look, where's he gonna fit? You know? You've got a couple big slender type receivers in Marv and, and Kenny G. You've got a smaller guy in Danny Amendola. You've got Hawk who's got some some thickness to him and some grittiness, you know, there at tight end now. But uh I really thought they needed a receiver that was smaller, shiftier, quicker. But I think this guy gives nice kind of backup potential for, for a guy like Marvin. You know, his contract's coming up in a year or so. And uh, any type of injuries, you know, if this guy can get up to speed, I mean, I really thought much better, you know, as I, as I watched his tape, learned about him. And uh, like I say, he's got some speed, got some ability. Like I like what I see from Travis Fulgham. Uh, hopefully he can translate it. So two picks later, I mean, when you get two picks back-to-back like this, you know, a lot of good names still on the board at this point. 
They went ahead and took uh, Ty Johnson, running back out of Maryland. Me, Grifka, Hughes, all the fellows we've been talking about. What is that compliment to carry on? You know, is it uh, another banger? Is it a home run guy? Is it a speed guy? You know, is it a guy that replaces Theo? Is it a guy that pushes Zenner out of the mix? You know, what is it? So, you know, Ty Johnson, again, full disclosure, wasn't really a guy on my radar. Um, kind of pushed down the list. There was quite a few running backs at that point that I still liked above Ty Johnson. You know, the more you read up on him, you see he has some, some crazy, crazy speed. I want to say one of the things I watched on him, they said he was hand-timed at 4-2 something, uh, kind of not officially at the combine or pro day, but at another workout. You know, who knows uh, if that's true or not. But, uh, you know, if it's even close to that, that's some crazy juice. And then when you watch his highlights, I mean, he gets his foot in the ground and he goes, man. This guy can can turn it up field. He can run. And the Lions need that kind of home run hitter juice. Uh, there's two, three, four highlights of him kick returning where he's getting 30, 40, taking it to the house on a couple of them. I mean, if he can add in the kick game, you know, everybody wants to just anoint Agnew. I mean, had a good first year, didn't see a ton from him the year prior. And like I say, I don't see much in the kick game anymore. I feel like these guys, every kick is through the end zone and every punt, you know, never seems to get too many electric returns anymore. But I think Ty Johnson is a nice depth there in the return game. And, you know, I'm interested if he can catch the football, if he can catch the football. I think that adds to his potential to maybe make the roster just based on speed and athleticism. But, uh, again, he doesn't seem like a special guy. I think they kind of took him based on traits based on that somewhat elite speed, his kick return ability, and, uh, you know, just maybe being able to make one cut and, and get out the back door and go. So we, we really don't have anybody like that, And uh, but I'm curious where he'll fit, if he can find a place in the running back room or uh, or if that's a crowded room, he won't be able to make the cut. So, you know, two interesting picks on offense there in the sixth round. Again, I knew that was something I said coming in is, Let's get some offensive playmakers. You know, let's get some guys that can help Matt Stafford and can help score touchdowns. And you really hope these two guys are it. I know I heard, was it Mike Valeni today was saying, ah, the sixth round, I don't care, you know. Those guys never do anything or it's very rare. I mean, I guess it's rare, but you just don't write them off uh, just because they're six rounders or before they really get in and you see them in camp and you see what they can do against NFL corners, you know, NFL defensive line. I mean, maybe Ty Johnson shows up way better than Theo or even Zach Zenner, and they end up either moving on from one of those two or they end up reshuffling the deck. You know, that could happen. I mean, I think this... This Fulgham uh, could definitely make a spot just because, you know, my thoughts on TJ Jones. Like, I'm so glad I think he's out the door. And then, you know, Andy Jones I'm not a fan of. But this kid, from what I saw, I mean, either just being a, you know, fifth, sixth type wideout, but a guy that can replace Marv or Kenny, do similar things, and can be explosive. I love that. So, I think uh, good potential with both those picks, but yeah, they are a roll of the dice, no doubt about it. So we started out with two picks that you know the fans and everybody were more accustomed to and liked. You get these two names, which weren't on too many people's radar, but when you look at them, you're kind of like, okay, I could see what they're looking for in regards to uh, explosion, ability. You know, it's just a matter of will they hit or will they wash out, wash out of the league. You know, that's uh, to be seen as well or to be determined. So hopefully they're able to carve out a role. 
So in round seven here, we got picks 224 and 229. Again, two you know, mid-round type picks, um, right back-to-back, -back, pretty close to each other. You know, really we're hoping, again, there's just so many good names on the board. You're thinking, you know, don't throw these away. Like, let's make a good pick. This is kind of where they usually go for <clears throat> special teams or, you know, hey, this guy, uh, you know, has one trade or something, but you kind of know he's he's not going to be able to make it. But uh, I thought these two picks were interesting. I mean, 224, again, the fans, the people, everyone's going to hate it. Griff, why? Because it says tight end at the end of his name. But, uh... Isaac Nada, I believe is how you pronounce it. And uh, this guy is a guy I ragged on in a previous podcast because he did terrible at the combine. And Bob Quinn even mentioned it and said, man, he did not test well. He even ran so slow. Bob Quinn said he looked over and said, okay, he's not. He's going to be there later just based on that. And he was right. He was here late in the seventh, early on in the process, you know, when I thought he had better athleticism. I remember taking him in the fourth, fifth round as my tight end pick and then once he just you know did absolutely garbage at the combine and didn't show any athleticism I was kind of like man I don't know if this guy's draftable and I just kind of ragged on him you know here they take him at 224 read up on him a little bit more I mean I guess this guy was a top <coughs> excuse me he was a top 10 recruit coming out of high school was gonna go to Michigan and then decide to go to Georgia's something I I heard uh here recently and uh I don't know. I mean, his size is is legit. I mean, uh, let's see here. He's 6'4", 246 some pounds. You know, junior coming out. So he's got a little bit of um, youth there. I mean, he looks like an old man. But, you know, he, he, he's been said that he can get open. <clears throat> he can get open in the pass game. And he can, you know, make those little catches over the middle that you need to move chains. I mean, this isn't a stretch tight end. This isn't a guy that's going to be running up the seam past fast linebackers. But again, he's a a guy that can probably do some things in line blocking. He can, he has that pedigree coming out. So I know everybody wants to rag on, like, what are they getting a tight end for? I mean, to me, this kind of spelled doom for big Mike Roberts. You know, I don't know if they're going to totally move on from him, but between Mike Roberts, Jesse James, you know, Hawk, and now you're bringing in this guy. I mean, feels like one of those guys are going to have to go. So I'd kind of hate to see Mike Roberts go, but, you know, if, if Nada is better, you know, for their system and better for what they're looking for, I mean, I guess I could see it at this point. But, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting pick, you know, especially if they're looking to have multiple big bodies, two tight end sets, if they're looking to kind of you know, give defenses a little fits with those things in the short passing game, I could see it being decent. So, you know, again, didn't mind the pick. Also, lots of other guys I draft, which I'll tell you about here in a bit, who I would have taken. And uh, we'll see how that works out. So at 229 to finish up the draft, they took P.J. Johnson. Got to admit, again, not a guy on my list, not a guy that I really had uh, done much work on. You know, saw his name and thought, oh boy, you know, or Arizona, defensive tackle. Like, just did not seem like a need, didn't seem like a fit. Then you read up on him, you see him, and like, go ahead and, and pull up something on YouTube with this guy. Like, within a few plays, you look at him, you're like, man, this guy looks like snacks. You know, he's got, I think he's got the dreads coming out the back. He's got the big belly, um, but he can move, man. He's a, one of those big, big guys that can move. I mean, got him listed here at 6'3". 335 pounds so 
they don't make them like that very often. You know, that kind of weight, that kind of size that can kind of move. This guy is chasing down people. He's uh, getting that, you know, one-arm move up the field where he's getting after the quarterback. I think he had a couple strip sacks, a couple balls on the ground out of this guy from what I saw. Like, man, you know, seventh round, you're always thinking total shot in the dark. But I think if this guy can have a great attitude, come learn under snacks, uh, find his own role in that defensive rotation when it comes to run stuffing and just learning from a guy like that. I think that in a year or two, you might have something in him, but you know, that's obviously a projection and that's a, a way to be seen as well. But, uh, again, you kind of look at this guy's body type, you read up, you're thinking, okay, you can see what Bob Quinn and Matt Pett are looking for in this guy, uh, basically a younger different type of snacks depending on if they extend him or not and also just a guy that similar build similar ability and a guy that can plug up that run and that's their first and foremost they love to stop the run so there's a there's all seven picks right there i mean again um we'll give kind of our overall review uh here next week when we do a podcast but you know just tipping my hand a little bit i mean again the draft was a little bit rough in regards to names and, you know, kind of guys that are off the radar. But I think when you look at this draft, you look at these guys, you say not only do they fit the scheme and really fit what this current team and coaching staff is looking for, but you can really see some upside in these guys when you go ahead and, and watch watch their highlights, watch some tape, read up on them. You're kind of like, okay, I could see maybe not this second, but here in the near future, some of these guys could project out to be uh, good to decent NFL players. And you want to say that those first three guys, you know, are going to shine better than we would expect, so that they can be uh, be real ball players. And I think we added a little swag too, a little bit of dog, a little bit of get after you. I mean, uh, go pull up Jelani um, doing the, uh, you know, the dance, the war dance they kind of do down there when you're playing for Hawaii. You know, go watch Will Harris hit people and and get up yakking and and dancing. Go ahead and. You know, watch Austin Bryant get after it, Amari with the finger wag, um, Amani, sorry, and uh, Travis Fulgham, man. Uh, like I say, this guy can translate anything that I saw on tape. You know, it's just what I remember watching with Kenny when I didn't like Kenny's pick. I watched him like, this guy's scoring touchdowns over the top, or he's catching and running. Like, we might have something here. And then by after year one, I really, you know, saw what he did in Lions uniform. I'm like, man, this guy's going to be good. He, he's got body control. He can catch and run. He's big, you know, size-wise with long arms. He knew it was going to translate, and I think Travis has some of the same things, and those last few picks, you know, are wait and see. So overall, I'm pretty positive now on the draft. You know, we can beat it up all we want, but like I say, as much as we know about the NFL draft is as little as we know, as much as we read up about these players, as much as it's a complete unknown of what these teams are really looking for, you know, outside of what Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, all the other uh, draft gurus out there will tell you. You know, you kind of got to just trust the coaches, trust the system, and uh, see how it pans out. So I'm super excited. Really had fun with the draft this year with all the stuff we did online as well as, you know, the my own draft boards here at, at my office at home. Really uh, had fun with this thing and diving into it. So um, with all that being said, let me go ahead and give you guys – I want to give you guys my Oakry picks, which are like what I would do if I was the GM of the Lions with 
the picks the Lions had. You know, like again, I'm watching in real time. I knew who's on the board. I kind of knew who the Lions roster is. So this is me like trying to get guys a good value, trying to add players that also fit what they need. So, you know, I'm looking for corners. I'm looking for a backup running back. I'm looking for um, those different positions that we all knew kind of coming into the draft, but also like, you know, I got free reign. Like anytime lines were on the clock, I could take anybody I wanted to plug into this current team. So kind of interesting how it shakes out every year. Again, looking back at my track record, I mean, I got some hits, I got some misses, but it's really fun to do this exercise. And if you go to the Google sheet, you can see my picks from now all the way back to 06. We started this in 06, just doing like the first couple rounds. And now we're doing all picks, all rounds for the past handful of years or so. So, so get this man. Uh, the first round pick number eight, said it on a previous show. Uh, I've been taking Ed Oliver, man. Uh, I know we needed a tight end. I know Hawk was a, a great prospect being that high, and somebody else would have took him. But Ed Oliver, crazy, um, just crazy burst up the field. I felt like they could have played him inside, moved him outside, you know, created some packages for him. I just think he could have made it work, no doubt. Uh, pick 43, you know, I was looking at the board. There were some corners. Um, there were some other defensive players I liked at that point. I was kind of thinking, like, oh, Chase Winovich, you know, round two, round three. I wasn't sure, you know, what I would do with him. But uh, I ended up looking at the board and saying I really liked Justin Lane out of Michigan State. I liked his length, his size. You know, I was comparing him against a couple other guys, and he was, you know, a a junior there, I believe. So he was a a year or so younger that, that played into it. I mean, just his size, his length, his ability, a former receiver that moved to corner, has some position flex, but also, um, you know, playing for Michigan State. Again, I'm a, I'm a go-blue guy all day, but, you know, playing for Mark D'Antonio over there and just playing in that system, like, I felt like he had grit, he'd tackle, he'd do everything he needed to do. So I went ahead and took Justin Lane there at 43. Um, pick 81, you know, it was coming back around. I was thinking, man, I'm taking Chase Winovich if he's here because he fits that outside linebacker edge type guy that the Patriots have had in the past, the hustle guy, uh, a Ninkovich type, right? But, uh, I think he went off the board around 77. So just a little less than a handful of picks before they came up at 81. So I took this guy at 81, which again, he sort of slid down the board, but this was a guy I liked, uh, throughout the process. He's actually a left guard. And I know I say I don't like flipping him over, but I thought I could flip this guy. Uh, Ben Powers, you know, interior guard from uh, Oklahoma there. Uh, Again, I keep circling back to it, but uh, Good Morning Football had to sit down with this guy about his personality and his mentality. And he just sort of said, like, his whole goal is to just take the soul of the man across from him and bury him in the ground and be nasty and physical. I was like, oh, man, I want this guy on my team. So, you know, I would have took him there in the interior um, offensive line. At pick 111, you know, the fourth round came around, and I couldn't believe this guy was still on the board. I had talked to Hughes about this guy, I think, before day two started, saying, hey, man, like, what do the Lions do terrible? And he kind of named off a few different things. And I was like, what they really do terrible is they can't cover anyone, you know, inside with their linebackers. You know, that's where Jared Davis struggles and a few other people struggle. So I, I said to Hughes, what about what about this uh, Mac Wilson on Alabama? Like, I had heard that, 
you know, he's fast. He obviously has good pedigree. He was really highly rated until kind of later in the year when he got injured and then didn't have the greatest draft process. But um, I had heard this guy can just, he's a great cover man from a linebacker position. So as he continued to fall down the board, I mean, I thought he was a second, you know, maybe early third round guy. If he's going to be there in the uh, early fourth, you know, I considered him. I went ahead and took Mac Wilson there thinking that, I can match him up against tight ends and, and other players to kind of really solve that problem. That's what Bob Quinn likes to do is solve problems. So, you know, we stopped the run that we solved that problem last year, but we still can't cover anybody from a linebacker, either on a running back or a tight end. So that would have been my goal, taking Mac Wilson there. The fifth round, pick 146. I mean, I came out here and I, I swung for the fences on this one. This guy was on the board again later than I thought. Some people I had heard has this guy as the top running back on their board. For me, he was a dynamic running back, a little bit smaller, a guy that can catch, run, hit the home run, all types of stuff. Really liked his ceiling, um, his upside, all that type of stuff. So I went here and I took Travion Williams, running back, uh, Texas A&M. Man, I thought, what a value there. What a what a nice compliment to carry on. I feel like carry on, so be your guy still be your banger, still be your main back. Travion can come in and spell him and still have a lot of juice, you know, catch the football, do some things, and uh, really add something that running back room didn't have, which was a lot of juice. He doesn't go down easy, not on the first contact, and uh, just seemed like a dynamic playmaker that I could get there in the fifth round at a position of need. So when I hook head and took Travion, Sixth round, pick 184. This is where I was looking at the board going, man, I haven't taken a tight end yet, and I do feel like they still need a player there. Another body, another guy that can catch, block, do some different things. So looked at the board, saw the best player on the board at that position was Dax Raymond. Went ahead and took him. Not in love with this guy. I mean, uh, I want to say he either went undrafted or late in, in the draft, but, you know, he didn't have any real special qualities, but I'm taking him there in the sixth round. I felt like it filled a position that I sort of wanted to address. I didn't want to go into the season with Mike and Jesse James, and that was it. So I'm adding another talent that can do some things. So that's what I took there. At 186, again, I was kind of looking at the board, looking at needs, and I was kind of like, ah, I'd like another safety because I, I, I had that feeling, you know. They had already taken um, – Will Harris, but I had had the feeling coming into the draft that Matt Pat wanted three safeties. He wanted guys that could could move and hit and come from gritty programs. So I went ahead and took a guy, you know, three plus rounds later, and then they took Will Harris and got Lucas Dennis. This was a guy that was projected, uh, you know, second round early on in the process. Then he kind of fell down based on either injury or interviews or his testing or whatever it may be, but. I felt like I liked that Boston College program. Obviously, the Lions do too. And uh, just thought Dennis, you know, he brings some hitting abilities, kind of inconsistent, you know, could probably could be coached up, types of things like that. But thought he brought some abilities and coverage and being able to, to lay the lumber a little bit. So just like that, that early draft pedigree of sometimes these guys get pushed way down when really they're just solid football players. I thought Lucas Dennis was a solid football player. Um, seventh round, pick 224. I was surprised this guy was on the board. Again, had him more in that fifth, um, sixth round range. Um, Jalen Jelks out of Oregon, edge rusher. I liked what I saw from this guy at the Senior Bowl. I thought he could bring some juice off the edge and kind of be that 
I mean, he's not the biggest guy. I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but he's kind of like that that middle where he could be an edge. He could be kind of that bigger outside linebacker, that canard type. But uh, I just thought I liked what I saw from him. I liked how he got off uh, the ball. Seemed to have some snaps. Seemed to do some nice things at the Senior Bowl. And when I watched and read up on him, and then I know John Gruden really liked him at the Senior Bowl. Said he uh, he liked his mentality and all types of stuff. So I thought like he would be a good fit here late in the draft. Again, I hadn't taken an edge rusher, so he was definitely the top name I was looking at there. Um, kind of in that mid. Or, um, seventh round, you know, you're kind of slim pickings there, but I, I like that value. And then with the seventh, um, seventh round pick, number 229, this one I was debating um, who to go with. I was looking at the board, and I was like, man, I've got a couple receivers. I had a couple running backs. You know, Higdon was still on the board. There was a couple different guys I was looking at. And uh, I'm trying to remember the other receiver. Oh, yeah, I, I debated on... Uh, on Godwin, you know, did I want to take Terry Godwin? I can't remember if he went right before this or right after, but that was a guy I targeted in mock drafts. I liked he was from Georgia. I liked that he had just that smaller build and was able to catch and do a little bit of things. Not the greatest athlete, but I kind of swung for the fences again here of taking a guy from a smaller school, but a guy that had crazy juice at the senior uh, bowl and really showed out. Penny Hart, man, running or a wide receiver slot guy there that I thought really could uh, maybe add some things or at least be a, a nice swing um, to see what he has in camp. Is he better than Powell? Is he a, a guy that we can add to the room or not? I really liked what Penny Hart did, and uh, I think he got an opportunity with Indy as an undrafted free agent, so I think that's a good fit for him. I'll be curious to see where he goes. That's what me and Hughes do after these picks is we kind of keep our eye on these guys. We do the PFF grades uh, year after year to kind of see where they grade it out and who, who has the better scores, things like that. So um, should should be fun to uh, to take a look there. But those those were my picks. Uh, I've got Hughes' picks here, but you know maybe we'll get him on for another show and he can run those down, why he took them, something like that. But... Uh, those were my picks in the like what we call on the clock, the Detroit Kool-Aid on the clock picks where got to basically turn them in right when the Lions are on the clock there. No waiting around, no nothing. Now let me go ahead and give you my uh, my dynasty picks real quick. I'll just run through these really fast. So this is again, we're an expansion team, only our third draft, and we're trying to fill holes. Again, if you want to see our 2017, 2018s, you can go ahead and, and jump on the Google Sheet. But my picks for my dynasty were Ed Oliver with that uh, first round pick. I took DK Metcalf in the uh, top of the second round. He obviously fell to the bottom of the round. Uh, Armani uh, again, a corner I took there in the uh, in the late third round. I got Riley Ridley at receiver. I hadn't taken any receivers in this uh, dynasty, so I was able to get DK and Riley Ridley. Thought it was good value. Um, Charles Menahue I took there. I want to say this is a uh, Sixth, uh, is that my sixth round or fifth? I took Charles and Menahue. Then I got Kelvin Harmon, another receiver. So three receivers in a draft. I know it seems crazy, but again, in this dynasty, I had passed on receivers basically the first two years. So getting those guys at those type of values. I mean, Kelvin Harmon basically in the uh, in the sixth round there was crazy. And then I took. I'm um, hurt. This, this name's tough too. But the Lions actually did end up signing this guy after the fact. Bue. 
Oh man, I can't even try the last name. You know what I'm talking about? B E A U interior lineman from Wisconsin. Uh, I really liked this guy throughout the process. He's a right guard. He could slide right in there. Great run grade from PFF. Really a nasty football player. I love getting him in the late sixth round. Then the seventh round again, more people that are on the board that both fit what I was looking for and also felt that they were great values. Took Tyree Jackson at quarterback late there. I mean, I love his size. I. I loved his attitude. He seemed really like a great attitude, but he also seemed kind of goofy. Uh, you know, I didn't know if I saw like a really prime time or, or an NFL starter when I saw him. But again, part of our dynasty is just building that depth. So, uh, you know, I was able to get him there in the early mid seventh. And I just took Ron Higdon, man, mid to late seventh because, you know, I think he can be a banger in the league. I think he can be a complimentary back, um, can have some, you know, years in the league, and I, I just liked the value at that point. So went ahead and took the hometown boy from Michigan, Karan Higdon. I thought it was kind of a tragedy he didn't get drafted. Great dude, really a hard-nosed runner, and showed he had some juice while he was at Michigan too. So those were my dynasty picks, and I also ran through my on-the-clock Detroit Kool-Aid picks, and I gave you rounds four through seven, kind of my thoughts, my initial reactions here only a day or so after the draft ended. And uh, we'll be back right here um, later this week talking with Grifka and see if we get anybody else on to uh, break down this draft and, and what's ahead for the Lions. Will they make a big splash? Will they make a trade? Once we get these guys in for uh, rookie minicamps, be able to see really what they have. Everybody's dogging it or praising it, but really it's all about what these guys do on the field. So really fun draft process. Thank you to all the uh, Detroit Kool-Aid supporters we got out there, and thank you for everybody that – um, he was doing draft content, you know, the Eric Schlitz and the uh, um, everybody that kind of came on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Uh, Logan uh, of Line Lowdown, we can't uh, thank you enough either. So we just thank all the hard work from those guys, and we really try to pump out a ton of content for you. But I think there's been a big swell the last few days on Lions Twitter about just what an amazing community is, great fans, great people that all love this football team and are, you know, we have different opinions at times, but everybody rowing in the same direction, just trying to uh, hope this team wins big for us and also just supporting them throughout the process. So thank you to everybody for the support you show our show and all the things we do, but also want to shout out everybody out there that's, uh, you know, loving the Lions and and just really uh, supporting this team and just being a great community, like I say, a great community of football fans and people. It's just tremendous. Uh, you know, hadn't been big on Twitter till the last few months, and it's really been cool to meet a bunch of people and see everybody's reactions and thoughts. So can't can't thank you guys enough for that. Uh, with all that being said, like uh, like I said earlier, come back, check us on Wednesday and Friday. We'll be talking all things Detroit Lions as we always do on the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. But for now, I'm gonna get up out of here. Thank you, everybody. Take care. We'll see you later this week. I'm out. Drink it in, man.